Well, this is very bizarre. Sorry, just going to be a weird start. I, I actually think we should just leave this as the start of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Are you still there, Jordan? Because you seem a bit frozen to me. Did Emma leave? Did she leave too? No, Emma's still here. Did, Stuck did, around. Oh, don't look so mad, Jordan. That was a total a total Jordan fail. I apologize, guys. <laughs> I will say your your face is froze, but like, you know, sometimes you can freeze in like a weird face. But you guys were like highly attractive human beings, so it was... Uh, <laughs> It was really good. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm asking no, no, for the I... noise stuff. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Penalty Loop Podcast, a podcast about biathlon by Jordan Gottschalk from Penalty Loop and RJ Weiss from Biathlon Analytics. All right, so um, Emma Lunder, welcome on the podcast. We're we're very happy to have you on, and I want to apologize right away because you should have been probably the first person on the on the podcast. And your name has shown up on about twenty sticky notes so far. Invite Emma, and then uh, I don't know. It just never seemed to happen. So we're really really excited to have you on. So thank you for taking the time to do this. Yeah, of course. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy that we can make it happen. So. And I that, do think I've actually ran into you two or three times in Camor when you were just skiing. And I would okay. see you go by. I'm like, oh, I think that was Emma Lunder. I should ask her next time. But yeah. I hope I look happens. friendly. I hope oh, I'm smiling. Yes. <laughs> I don't, I honestly, I I usually make a, a little audiogram for the podcast and like a cover. And I was looking through some pictures and stuff. And I don't recall seeing one single picture where you're not having a friendly smile on your face. <laughs> True Canadian representative. Yeah, exactly. Sorry yeah. and thank you and all that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry that you hit me. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Typical. <laughs> so, uh, Emma, I was going to say that um, uh, not only did RJ have about 20 stickies to invite you on the podcast, but every time we interviewed somebody, we would say, like, who else should we interview? And, like, the two people who kept coming up, it was you and Claire Egan, so... Um, you know, we're, we're finally getting around to it, I guess. I don't know. That probably says more about us than anything else, but, um, you know, we're, we're getting around to our home nations, um, just, you know, like we should. So oh, I, I just it. wanted, and I, I, I love just being to associated with Claire in any context. So that's yeah, well, great. There, there you go. Um, so, uh, normally what we do is like we, you know, cause we've got a pretty diverse, uh, uh, listening base, you know, when we started this, we assumed it was going to be mostly like Americans and Canadians, but it turns out that for whatever reason, you know, French people and Germans and Norwegians want to hear what we have to say too. So, um, for all those folks, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, where you're from, how you got into biathlon, just, you know, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. Sounds good. Yeah. I am Emma Lender. Uh, I'm a Canadian biathlete based out of Canmore, Alberta. Um, I've been on the senior national team for about eight years and living and training in Canmore since 2010. And I I started just cross-country cross skiing with my family um, when we lived in Northern Ontario. It was very cold winters and not much to do. So they said, hey, let's learn how to ski. And um, I kind of got involved in biathlon through the sea cadet program my brother um was skiing one day and they saw him and and got him to join in and then about a year later i sort of followed in his footsteps and then uh 
just kind of stuck with it from about the age of 15 onwards, not at a very high level or, or even, you know, training full time, just as a kind of side sport through high school. And okay, sorry to interrupt. Oh. Is it true that you already shot better than your brother right off the bat? Yeah. <laughs> my poor brother i love him so much without him i wouldn't have got into the sport but that was definitely we had a little bit of uh competitiveness between the two of mm. us so the first day when i got to try shooting and the coach said oh you're bred better than your brother i was like yeah <laughs> i'm doing it <laughs> yeah, maybe always... it was a setup yeah yeah maybe yeah. it was actually true <laughs> but um sorry about you know, that. It, no, that's okay. Great mm-hmm. question. And it was special because he and I did it through Sea Cadets for a few years together. And my mom, again, had no involvement, no knowledge of biathlon. But since she was driving us to the practices, she, you know, slowly started uh, taking like coaching courses and, and getting some certification. So until I graduated in, in 2009, she was kind of my coach for a few years. Um, so we had like, yeah, the Lunder family were were doing the biathlon scene in Vernon. <laughs> so is the the Lunder name is that originally German? Do you no, know? No, it's actually Norwegian. Oh, okay. oh, yeah, yeah, and really cool. Um, a few times at the World Cup in Oslo, I've met Norwegian relatives who have come to the races. So wow, that is so cool. Yeah, yeah, people I probably never would have met. Um, so they're mm-hmm. all on my dad's side and. And it was awesome. Uh, not since COVID, but prior to that, um, the two times I went, I was in Oslo. I got to meet some of my my family. And did they did they seek you out? Like, did they know that you were family, or were they just asking you what your heritage was? Or yeah, my aunt um, is kind of the person in our family who's well connected and and mm-hmm. stays in touch and knows the like second cousins and things like that. So there are some family members who live in Oslo or close by. And she was, she lives in Israel. She's like one of my biggest path <laughs> on fans. She came to Norway and kind of organized with them that they would all meet up and come to one of my races and then uh, nice. come see me at the hotel afterwards. That is so cool. That's yeah. a pretty yeah. widespread yeah. family. You got Israel and Canada and Norway and. And then on my mom's side, I've met Finnish relatives um, who've come to Joensu to see my races. As wow. early oh, as man. whenever I was there for World Juniors, 2012, I think. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, this sport is, is so looking really... looking back, uh... it was no surprise you got into biathlon, really. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. Scandinavian roots, living in, you said, northern Ontario. I think you had kind of everything put together there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, where you said, I apologize. You said where in, in Northern Ontario were you? Uh, I was in Timmins. Okay. So, so uh, we were there. I was quite young when we moved there. And then um, I moved to Vernon when I was in grade six. So I had about six it. years in Timmins. Uh, just, mm-hmm. yeah, basically doing jackrabbits and like learning how to ski. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So when you think of home, like you think of growing up in home, where is it? Vernon. Yeah. Yeah. But it's crazy because Canmore is the place I've been the longest mm. ever, like 13 years. So I think because I have the, you know, youthful memories in Vernon. But mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when I when I come home from tour or come home from a camp, Canmore feels like home now. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And so maybe for people that are not familiar with Vernon, that's quite a hot part of the country, isn't it? Yeah, we. I would say Vernon's nice because uh, it kind of has all the seasons. Like you do mm. get the really hot summers, but then we we were living partway up Silver Star Mountain. It was about a 15-minute drive to Sovereign Lakes, which is one mm. of the most beautiful places I've ever skied. So you had really great winters and then also really great summers. Nice. When you say hot, how hot are we talking? Um, like typically through July and August, it'd be between like 30, 35 Celsius most days. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no like kidding. it's considered desert in the North Okanagan there. So it can wow. just be so dry. That's yeah. the mm. like dry hot. Okay. All right. My, yeah. my wife's uh, family lived in Vernon as well. And she... Okay. She always described them as those trips as it was super hot in the car. Yeah, for sure. But then you but, you uh, know you have all the lakes, so mm-hmm. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just kind of go to the lake and swim and dry off and swim again ten minutes later. Yeah, yeah. So you were doing biathlon. You said you were sort of doing it as a side sport in high school. Or did you have yeah. a main sport? No, I I really didn't. Um, I did some cross country running. I was on like mm-hmm. the high school team for that, but. I never, I don't know, Sea Cadets was a fairly big commitment. Um, yeah. Like I would spend my summers going to cadet camp for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Vernon, there's there wasn't really a biathlon mm-hmm. program, even mm-hmm. for like non-cadets. So I did it through cadets for a while. I was invi- invited to um, to like a BC camp for the first time, I think when I was in grade 11, so 2008. Got it. And then, then I started seeing, oh, there's more than cadet biathlon. Like there's this whole other circuit. I mean, at that point I didn't even know about the world cup. Um, but yeah, did a a summer camp. And then in 2009, same thing, kind of did another camp or two outside of the cadet program. And then I was invited, uh, to be like a full-time athlete on the BC high performance team. So when I graduated, I said, okay, I'm either going to go to university or I'll do like one year of this biathlon thing and yeah. just see. And 14 years later, <laughs> here we are. Yeah. So then were you still in, and I'm just wondering in 2010, when the Olympics were in Vancouver, were you around there or did you actually go to the Olympics or were you too busy doing your own thing? No, I was so like right out right out of high school I moved to Swamish started training full-time like fully immersed I'd never done two sessions a day I'd never roller skied until that summer so that was a bit of a shock to start at uh, 17 I guess roller skiing but um I loved it I just kind of dove right on in we only had Mm -hmm. four of us on the team so it was like a pretty small close-knit team and we were training in bank well in Whistler at the like Olympic venue. And yeah, I got to go up and I would do my own training before the Olympic races. And then I Mm -hmm. would watch, um, just as a spectator, like it was super cool. I was going to say, it's one of those. So of the three other girls on your team is, is Sarah one of those or Sarah? Yeah. Sarah was a bit younger than I was. So she, um, she would jump in for camps and things like that, but it was, it was actually Megan, um, Tandy who Mm -hmm. she retired from our team, I think 2019. And then a few guys who, who didn't really make the national team, 
Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That had to be so cool though. I mean, to be that age and you're really starting to get into it seriously and you get to train and then yeah. see like the best of the best on the exact same, you know, course, just a few hours later. Yeah. And we had a, we had a coach from Germany. So, um, that year I just met Magdalena Neuner and I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. This is cool. Like I really, I had no idea about the world cup. I knew about the Olympics, but sure, that was it. Yeah. Um, but then my teammates were watching the world cup. So then I slowly started saying, okay, there's, you know, I can see like what people are doing. So yeah, that was, she was kind of like the first biathlete that I was like starstruck by. And then I got right. to meet her, which was awesome. Was that, uh, your coach was Matias? No, it was oh. Ilmar. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, we worked together for one year and then basically the program lost all its funding and hmm. yeah, that was the end of that. Yeah. Welcome to Canada. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so then you were, I assume from there, like around that time you started competing sort of on the junior level, mm -hmm. just a few races here and there. Yeah. So, um, 2009 would have been my first world juniors as a like second year youth. Mm -hmm. So I went to Torsby for that. So that was my first time ever traveling internationally. Oh, and man. then, um, and then 2010, I think it was Nova Mesto. And then 2011 was my last year as a junior, which was in, in Contiolati. Are you checking that... Jordan? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was don't pulling look it up at those results. I, Please don't. Oh, no, no, no. So I was pulling it up because I was like, I was, I, I, I didn't know if you would remember exactly where they were. Um, okay. And okay. yeah. And, and, and I was going to remind you if you didn't remember, but um, I mean, that had to be neat too. I mean, your first international trips, you're going with, uh, you know, you're competing on an international stage, especially you get to somewhere like Nova Mesto and, and Contilati, you're, you're on the same, you know, ground as the, as, you know, the, the World Cup. So, I mean, it's just like another, another experience of getting to compete on the same, the same course. Yeah, yeah. And I think even starting at those venues, I didn't quite grasp that, that hmm. like, I still, it was like, it took a few years for me to fully understand the scope of the sport and just how cool it is. And, and IBU kept mm -hmm. in all of those things, but um, yeah, for me, you know, I was just kind of put my head down, did the training. I was on a club team in Canmore, um, just with other athletes who eventually like made it to the national team. And then I, you mm. know, kept going and I also made it. Um, but still it wasn't like I, I went into it with this dream of like, Oh, I want to go to the Olympics. I was more like, Oh, you know, I enjoy this. I am seeing mm -hmm. improvements. I'm getting to race in Europe. So that's cool. Um, but I wouldn't say, especially internationally, it was definitely not about the results because I just wasn't at a high level yet. Um, mm -hmm. in Canada, I think with the smaller fields and things like that, you know, you're still like getting podiums at Norams and, and that felt good, but it was a little bit hard for me to go to world juniors and, you know, I felt like I was not competitive in the way that I wanted to be. Um, and honestly, you know, it took, it took probably till like 2015, 2016, to start feeling like I was finally kind of at the level of the athletes who were my age. Hmm. 
Because I, I can imagine that can be very demotivating if you, you know, in North America, you're maybe not the best, but, you know, top, top by athletes. And then you go there and you're somewhere in the midfield. Oh, yeah. It must be and a bit of a, a shock to the system. And I don't think we were really talking about it back then. And I didn't, I still didn't, you know, like I said, have that idea of what, what full-time being a full-time athlete even was, I kind of had to like learn from my teammates and, and I was still working, you know, 20, 25 hours a week at Starbucks the first few years. Cause that was the only <laughs> way I could afford to go. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, it definitely took kind of until I got to the national team, which was 2015 and having that support and having like an IST and doing testing and things like that, even being in a weight yeah. room, on our mm -hmm. club, you know, we, we did strength outside on a shooting mat and it was, I think it was a great start for me, but, um, yeah, things sort of picked up once I was in the national team program, I would say. Right. So two things for you. One, I have to ask before we go any further, what is your drink of choice at Starbucks? Oh, you know what? I'm pretty simple. I get a, sh a double short blonde latte. All right. Okay. And yeah. then if when you were at Starbucks, when you were working there, what was like your least favorite thing to make? Like someone would come in to order this and you would just groan. I mean, not uh, actually groan, but just internally. Yeah. Matcha latte because the like matcha powder is just, you like inhale it. It's messy. Uh. It's like everything just turns green. <laughs> That's an easy one. I, st uh, I still don't like making them. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then I was going to say, we were talking to, I think it was when we were uh, talking with um, uh, Coach Auchenthaler last mm. summer, and he was talking specifically about American biathletes, but I think it probably holds true for Canadians as well. And that the emphasis on developing our biathletes is just so much different here in North America than it is in, say, like Germany or Norway, especially. And so like you just have to put people on different timelines and... So you think about like when you first started taking it seriously was several several years later than it would have been had you actually grown up with your relatives in Norway. And so like you finally feeling like you were hitting, you know, your stride, like you were catching up to your your peers in like 2015, 2016 kind of makes sense. You know, if you think about like when you really started like kicking it up. So, um, you know, it's just a, a little bit of a different timeline. It just so happens to be that you was when you were on the World Cup, which is kind of neat. So are you suggesting a, a globe in about three, four years there, Joan? I think we're well on the path, right? <laughs> That's what I thought, yeah. Yep. And and I think, I really think, um, you know, I enjoyed having that time, honestly, to develop. And, mm -hmm. and I think it made me able to have the longevity of a career. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think that I would have been ready to jump into that system at like 21, like some of my teammates are now, but they came from quite structured systems. And, and now they're being integrated into the national team and it's a smooth transition. But I I don't think that it would have been, you know, it, it's easy to look back and say, oh, I wish I had started training at 12 or whatever. But I really don't. I think um, the way that I developed, it did take some time, but I'm so glad I stuck with it because now, you know, it's definitely uh, paying off. Well, the IBU has changed so much too, right? Like you can even see the junior world championships, the IBU cups are all broadcast. I, I'm guessing that other than the Olympics, you probably wouldn't see any biathlon on TV or 
no, streams no. or anything, right? So honestly, not at all. So yeah, I really think- started like seeking it out and looking for it and watching it in the off season and things like that and, and getting excited about it. Just, mm-hmm. you know, watching it on so- YouTube. Because I, I was going to ask you, like, what do you tell the, you know, you have a couple of uh, young teammates joining the team. Like, what do you tell them when they go to Oslo or Oberhof for the first time? Hmm. You know, with, with your experience, even though when you were that young, it was very different because they're probably more <laughs> informed just by watching things live and Instagram and all that good stuff. But um, so what what do you tell them to focus on or... You know, I would say I try to keep it pretty light. And I just tell them, I'm like, you guys, when I was 21, I was terrible. And look at me now. (laughs) Yeah. But um, yeah, I think so much of it at that age is about the experience and not being super stressed about results. And I'm like, just the more races you can do and the more you can soak in, um, ask questions, like ask me, ask Christian, ask the, you know, coaches if you have questions, because I think it can be pretty overwhelming to go and have that stress of wanting to perform. Um, But I am also like, okay, like some of our teammates, 21, 22, 23, like, I'm like, you guys have time. Just try to Mm -hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. You know, take the little wins. Do you like do a good plan and things like that? Like for sure. There's, there's a level of focus you have to have, but don't bring all the stress into it because it's just going to get in your way. Right, right. Um, so, you mentioned Christian. Oh, go ahead. Joe. No, no, please. Oh, you mentioned Christian. Um, I'm not going to ask you to uh, tell us the whole history of how you got together, although so, I'm guessing so it are, had something to do with biathlon. We're going to ask you the whole history. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, the whole teammates and then your friends and just one thing led but to I, another. I had a question that I'm happy to cut out or if you don't answer it, but I'm just really curious. Um, typically, teams stay you know, girls in one part of the hotel, boys in the other. With you and Christian, that's, of course, a little bit of a different situation. Are you uh, staying with the girls or staying with the dude? You know what? It's a it's probably more than a 50-50. I'm probably 60 or 70% with the girls. And then if it works numbers-wise, I get to room with Christian. And it's mostly a budgetary thing. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I, everyone's happy when I'm rooming with Christian because I'm happy, but I get it that, that if is we have so four romantic. guys and four girls. So romantic. It's such a budgetary <laughs> thing when you guys get to stay together. Oh, man. I know, but... It's a Hallmark movie. Yeah, but I, you know, I think it's good, too, um, because just to have the rotation, if you have four mm-hmm. girls, everyone can mix and mingle, and mm-hmm. it's a long season on the road, and yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really enjoy it when Christian and I do get to, to room together at certain races, and... When I don't, we still see each other. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, normally, we like to ask people what their favorite city to stop in you know, is for either just for for hanging out or for for racing. But uh, slightly different question for you: What is the best IBU World Cup stop for a date night? Oh, honestly, Ostersund. Oh. Hmm. There's a there's a place we've been going forever, and it's like pizza, pasta, pretty cool vibe, really good food. Especially if you've been in Sweden for a while and you just need some something that's not fish and potatoes. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. And then there's like cute lighting walking down the street when it's five p.m. and it's pitch black. So yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And then um, you mentioned, uh, a, you know, when you guys actually get to stay together, I, I'm going to assume that when you were in, uh, and I guess you guys weren't in Beijing exactly, but for the Olympics, you guys were not able to stay together. I assume that there were some pretty strict regulations on who had to stay where, or I don't know. I, I maybe, maybe not. Maybe the athletes yeah. villages uh, happened in place. And again, in actually in Korea, we were able to stay together because it was okay. more of this like big apartment. So mm -hmm. it was just like, you know, we got to organize rooming in Beijing. We were just down the hall from each other. He was rooming with Scott and I was rooming with one of the girls. Um, but, you know, I was over there every day, like playing crib and mm -hmm. hanging out. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we still we once you were in your rooms, you were kind of like free to take your mask off. That was right. the only Can place. Oh, well, at least you had that. Yeah. Um, I, can you confirm this? I heard that when you guys were there that the Canadian team had like a bottomless supply of Molson. Is that correct? Oh, I think that must have been in the coach's lounge. Okay. All right. Maybe Wait, I was wax, wrong. Then. The wax team, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe it was the wax team. Okay. So, I, uh, you know, maybe I, I flew home before the closing ceremonies. So mm. I'm wondering if the last night it was an endless supply because they wanted uh, to get rid of whatever was, it. was left. Are they, are they sponsoring the uh, Olympic Committee or something? I, I don't, I, I don't, recall, don't but... know. I don't even, hmm. I, it might just be in this, like a nostalgic thing or like a... Mm cultural you yeah. know we're gonna bring yeah, in yeah. molson because it's canadian yeah uh now that we're totally off the rails what is your go-to <laughs> canadian beer i don't drink beer i hate beer oh okay I, well I maybe the like wrong a, person to ask <laughs> i know i'm a diehard cider girl so there's a cidery uh, in uh in canmore that i support okay yeah, yeah. Is it, yeah. what's the name of it core values okay Core yeah, Values. What a great new. name. I, I love the pun. And actually, yeah. Vernon, BX Cider. That's my that's <laughs> my uh, reason for going home. <laughs> stuck up, <laughs> stuck up the fridge. All right. So when uh, when Katie when we move the family up there, that's what we'll uh, we'll 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 RJ will request a, a homecoming gift of what is it? BX Cider. You said. Yeah. 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 There we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's out of province, though. I, look, man, we're moving all the way up there. I think you can drive over. <laughs> it's only five hours. Yeah, it's yeah. nothing. That's nothing. <laughs> think about yeah, it. If you were on. in Europe five hours, you could drive across pretty much any country. Oh, yeah. Like yes. a couple of countries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so getting back to actual biathlon for a minute. Uh, you, you mentioned how 2015, 2016, you felt like you kind of, you were yeah, caught up to your peers a little bit. So what happened last year? Because last year was like an awesome year for you. You had, uh, what was it? Uh, three top fives. I think you started off the year right off the bat. Like you just were kicking butt. So uh, what was the difference last year? Was it just like one more year of development? Or did you come into the year knowing like, yeah, I got it this year? Um, so I mean, so many people have asked me that. And honestly, the number one thing I think was health. I had like 365 days of being healthy, no sniffles, no cold, no like little injury, just everything, you know, it was very similar training to what I've done um, the past few years, but just the consistency and not having to miss any period is so valuable. And I've never had that in my career. Consistency is, is it amazing. the California prunes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, we're not sponsored by them anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Six-month contract. 
No, and and I think um, <laughs> prior prior to the Beijing year, I also had you know I was getting in more mass starts and having more of the top ten results. So I think that that was almost a little bit tricky because I'd never been in those positions before. That was the first season. Then the mm-hmm. Beijing year, I had a lot of illness, didn't quite go my way. So I think also last season I'd had that experience of racing in more mass starts, all the relays, like doing every race at world champs and even just knowing the like energy management and what I need on the rest days and things like that. Um, I think it was a combination of health, one more year of training. And then like you guys said, another year under my belt. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it paid off in in amazing results. I think that your top three results ever four of your top eight, um, and it wasn't yeah. like well, they no, looked all... at the the discipline rankings too. Other than pursuit, you had yep. your best rankings for every discipline. So it's, yeah, and and it's I was good. really happy because I think as as North Americans typically, especially the COVID years, we'd been staying over for four months straight. So we'd go in November, we'd come home end of March, and that last trimester was brutal. Mm-hmm. Like hmm. you know, physically, yeah, you're tired, but it's more the mental. Like you haven't you haven't got to be out of a suitcase, you haven't slept in your own bed, you've maybe got to make some of your own food. But we came home for Christmas last year, which was was something that uh, I felt pretty strongly about. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, yeah, maybe it's some jet lag, and we're gonna miss one World Cup. But for the longevity of the season, I I did think that that was gonna really help me. So to be in Osterson's second last world cup of the year and, and be in the flower ceremony. I was like, okay, yeah, that was like Christmas yeah. was worth yep. it. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to well, say is that, cause you missed, was it, uh, I can't remember the schedule anymore. Was it the first, the first world cup back from Christmas? Yeah. Poke Luca. We Poke, kind of yes, flew yeah. in and did the relay, um, yep. but not the, not the individual races. Yeah. And, um, and I would say even with that, you still were what 23rd or something overall. And yeah, then, I mean, that's yeah, really cool. I, it's, I, you know, you must have just been like on cloud nine at the end of the I season. Was, so. I was, yeah, I was super happy. My, it was, you know, I didn't have maybe a ranking goal, but um, at the beginning, of course, you know, those first few results, then you just kind of watch yourself like drop. But then I sort of just hung in there. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I was really happy to be top twenty five in the overall. Um, was there a like a a race, it, it, it might just be the races you did awesome in, but was there a race maybe that you didn't get, it wasn't one of your top fives or when you weren't in the flower ceremony that just like you were really proud of yourself from for last year? Um, hmm, good question. I think the single mix relay in Novo Mesto. Oh. Uh, Christian and I hadn't got to do one forever and or not forever. We hadn't got to do one yet last season because we we weren't there for one of them. And then at World Champs, I was partnered up with another athlete. And that's mm-hmm. always been so special for me. And even though it didn't go the way I wanted, I think for us to be in the mix and continue to see the potential that we can have, you know, mm-hmm. it was, I was sad after the race and a day or two later, I was like, okay, on to the next one. But um, just to even be in that position again, I was, I was really, really proud of both of us actually, um, that, yeah. you know, we're holding our own. So yeah, that one sticks it's, out. It's, Cause I, you know, people will probably say, Oh, in the race, just see him as another athlete, but there must be hard to do that. Like, you know, it's your, your partner. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think, I think we've done, we've done well in the past. So we definitely have that like internal pressure too. We know that we can do well, but mm-hmm. it's like just, you know, getting to know that I'm, I'm doing it. I'm coming to tag him and mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's really special. Yeah. Do you have to, and maybe you guys have done this race so many times, but, or maybe you're just so tired when you're doing it, but like, do you ever just like, when you're doing a single mix with Christian, do you just get like a weird smile on your face? Like you're coming down and you're about to tag him and you're like, oh man, I must look funny. I'm like skiing with a smile on my face. Yeah. And usually it's when I know I don't have to do the last loop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now take, take my power through the tag and like, you just carry on. (laughs) Here you go, bud. You're on your own. Yeah. 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 I'll be cheering. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, you also, you've done uh, a couple of Alf Schalkes, I think, together, right? Yeah, last year. Last year, uh, last last year, year was actually didn't. the first. No. Oh, was it? Yeah, you're oh. right. Sorry. The Beijing year was the first year we'd ever done it. Okay. Yeah. Is, it, is yeah. that uh, invitation only or how does yeah, that work? It was. And the year, because it was COVID, we did it in group holding. So it was too bad. It was a cool experience, but, you know, no fans. You're not in the stadium. Right. I don't think it was the true, like, Schalke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Feeling. When when yeah. do you get the invitations? Like, we would have got it. We were already over in Europe. Um, sometime kind of that first trimester. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah. this year, and then did you get invited last year? But then I, I think that's because you were in in uh, Canada, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it even came through. If it if one came through, but we had already made the plans to be in Canada, and right. I think same with this coming season. Um, our plan is to come back for Christmas. Maybe we can organize something in uh, McMahon Stadium here in Calgary. Ah, we'd be down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Americans might be hard to get some uh, Norwegians and Swedes over, but uh, <laughs> and Germans. But yeah, that'd be it, it's such a cool concept. I, I just yeah. loved. Uh, you know, some some stadiums are kind of set up in the way. Is your oven going off? Do you need yeah, to? Yeah, uh... Christian's got it. Oh, okay. We don't need to worry about fire breaking out or anything. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I, it, biathlon has such a beautiful setup that you could have it in a stadium where you just mm-hmm. ski under a tunnel into the stadium, do your shooting penalty loop yeah. potentially, and then out. And it's, uh, I really, I mean, the Alf Schalke is a bit more festive, I guess, being around Christmas, et cetera. But yeah, I think it'd be really cool if we would see that a bit more. Yeah, and we last year we did go to Norway and we raced in the Blink Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool because we did, you know, you had the whole vibe of the crowd and the, I'd never done a like t- a city roller ski race and the range setup and everything like that. So um, that was a pretty, pretty cool opportunity to have as well. And our first time ever going to Europe in the summer for a training mm-hmm. camp, you know, in my whole career. Um so yeah, I could, I think it is like, it's so special. There were just families out like picnicking the whole day, but also watching all the races. So that was pretty fun. How did you like to lose a button or yeah. steep race up a hill? <laughs> it was again, it's really cool experience. So much harder than I anticipated. Hmm. <laughs> like uh. we do some uphill, we do some uphill uh, tests here, like at Norquay. But, yeah. you know, it's maybe t- just over 20 minutes for the women. Um, so it was the length and the just relentless climbing was 
and the tunnel. Like no one told me you couldn't see in the tunnel. I had these dark sunglasses. My poles are slipping every stride. I was like, oh my God, no one warned me. Oh man. Did you, had, so when you raced, was uh, Teresa Uhok, was she still racing then? No, she wasn't. Um, I think it was Delphine Claudel was the, the female winner last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're also very yeah. impressive. Like it's oh, it's totally, a tough yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I've done Norca and you said twenty minutes for a skier like me, it's more like an hour and a half. But <laughs> I can only imagine that how long that must feel. Yeah. Well, I yeah, can't imagine like, really. It was but... like felt like three Norquays. Yeah. That's, oh, wow, that's insane. Would you um like because I've used talking a little bit more about taking the summer the roller skiing biathlon more serious or summer biathlon. Is that something that would interest you or would that just intervene too much with your practice and your time spending at home? And Yeah. Yeah. I think from last year too, I learned, I really like having the summer in Canmore and it is a big, it is a big trip to go to Europe to Mm -hmm. get the most out of a training camp. So um, this year, there was sort of an option on the table, but we just decided to stay put. Um, but right. who knows? I am not against it, but I certainly don't couldn't see myself doing like a summer circuit. Um, right. Just because, you know, we're gone so much of the winter already. Yeah. It's yeah. it's t- it's a tough schedule as it is. Yeah, that's so many, so many time zones away. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. really going about halfway around the world. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But if there, was its- a North, if there was a North American something then I would be there for sure. Well, the, the penalty be. loop be. classic is going to be coming in a couple of years. So we'll make, <laughs> yeah. we'll make yeah, it happen. Great. Great. Um, speaking of summer, has your summer training been affected at all by the just immense wildfires? We, we were early on, which was strange because typically it's not that early in the season. Um, but we were pretty lucky. We maybe had a week where we had to do most of our training indoors and then, the wind has been pretty favorable since, and then we got mm-hmm. some rain. So yeah, just, uh, early June, I guess it was, um, for about a week. Yeah. yeah. We sell these, uh, we, we say that they're wind energy windmills, Jordan, but it's really just to push all the smoke to the state. <laughs> Thanks. We appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. I know it's actually, it's, uh, you know, you're finally getting back at us for, you know, just being terrible neighbors for so long, I guess. <laughs> And then they send you over to smoking. Yeah, I know. That's yeah, really that's the uh, <laughs> it's the that's the the payback. Um, I want to, if you don't mind, go back all the way to the California prunes comment. Um, <laughs> so I don't want to. It's it's not specifically to them, but given the fact that as a Canadian, budgets are slim, uh, mm. sponsorship are hard to get. Would you like? How do you feel about if if a somebody comes to you to to represent them for a certain product that you don't necessarily take yourself or believe in or would you still consider it or are you quite uh, kind of black and white and no I don't use that so I don't want to sponsor for you or like how does how does it work for you yeah I think that's a good question it would definitely depend on the product and okay for example i didn't eat prunes but when I got free prunes I ate them and when I got paid to eat prunes I ate them so um I think as a Canadian athlete I would definitely think about it um because it is hard to turn down sponsorship in Mm -hmm. kind of the climate that we're living in but 
I think if it felt like unethical or yeah, something I really was not behind, then I would have no problem saying no. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But the prunes were good. And actually there's some in our dinner tonight. <laughs> oh, go. we've, got, we've got a stockpile in the garage I'm trying to get through before they expire. <laughs> well, you know, send them give over to our jam so we can help you out. Yeah. yeah. Oh, give them <laughs> <laughs> And they're all going to have their best season after that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so how did that, I mean, do you know anything about how the, the prune, the prune deal came together and, and why it was only for one season? And do you, is that, is that kind of the way it goes for you guys? Just like these yeah, season by this, season deals? This was a, honestly kind of just luck. It was like an Instagram DM that I actually happened to open and they were just looking to grow their, Canadian side of athletes going into the Olympic season. So they mm, said, Hey, okay. it's a six month contract. This is what you'd have to do. This is what will pay you super like clear. And, yeah. and it was offered to both Christian and I. So we said, okay, like, why not? That'll pay the rent yeah. for a couple months. Um, Great. But Good. I would say that is the only like legit Instagram DM I've ever had from a company. So <laughs> if there's anyone listening and wants to send me more of them, I will do it uh is there anybody in particular like if there's one thing you're like i would love to be endorsed by so-and-so lululemon oh there you go Mm. all right lululemon uh we are coming after you (laughs) is that is that for the brand or is that for the free gear you would get or mostly the gear but (laughs) no i mean in all seriousness it is you know it is tough as canadians because we pay to race on the world cup like mm-hmm. I think our our highest paying World Cup member this year was just over twelve thousand Canadian was their team bill and I don't know I think we're doing a good job in so many areas but it just feels tough to find sponsors personally but but also for the team um, and then I think you know the resources we do have on such a limited budget we do a really good job but you know throughout the winter we'll have one coach one massage Mm -hmm. therapist at like select select races not all races um like four wax techs and it's just for sure when you see some of the resources that other teams have it's really hard not to compare but you know there's there's no point because it's not going to change the situation but um yeah i i do think that would be very impactful for Canadian biathlon just to not have their top end having to pay because even then, you yeah. know, the younger athletes see that and it's not sustainable. Like right. people can't stay in the sport for as long as they want to when they're paying to do it. So mm-hmm. it's definitely yeah. a bit tricky. Well, and you're right. So that- I mean, for the, for the top young athletes to see like, you know, this is what I'm working towards. I mean, you have to be really driven personally to want to get it done. Cause like the, not yeah. not like you're not like you're going to be getting a you know a BMW to to drive around you know. Oh yeah, yeah, and I think even just you know when we're finished, it's like okay, time to like yeah. get a job, go to school. Really, yeah. It's it is for sure. I think it's a sacrifice for every athlete, but um, mm-hmm. I would say it's very impressive to me what the what our Canadian athletes make do with yeah. and mm-hmm. and still dedicate their lives to you know pursuing this sport so that leads me to two questions i wrote down how does it make you given all this financial situation how does it make you feel that we're spending i forgot the total of of million dollars on the uh 
new building in Camor. Does it make you cringe a little bit in a way? It makes me glad it's also that there good will... for the sport. Yeah, it makes me glad yeah. that there will be, you know, this um, upgrade for future generations. And hopefully, again, better facilities, more athletes coming in, just grows the sport. Like, that is the goal. Um, I think for the current athletes, it's hard to watch because we know the budget that we have to work with and it's Mm -hmm. like not that and our training facility we can't train in it this summer yeah like we're we're driving to mount shark two days a week (laughs) we can't do roller ski combo and it's just again it's so hard to complain because it is an upgrade but then you're like okay but we're trying to get ready for the, you know, the season and the world cup here. We can't even use our range. Yeah. So it's tricky. Um, I think again, you know, we're focused on doing what we can do. We're going to Mount shark. We're going on more training camps to have the roller ski combo. Cause you just need that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, honestly, it's been, you know, kind of a different season. Uh, yeah. I've had repetition for eight years, basically of like, you know, May and June, you're at the range four days a week. So it's felt a little bit refreshing and, and yeah, we're definitely just trying to focus on what we can, but yeah, it's almost like that double-edged sword of like, okay, well it had to get upgraded sometime. Oh, you know, we're not using it this summer. No, for sure. Yeah. It's just, and I'm sure the money comes from completely different (laughs) budgets and that kind of thing, but it's, you know, it's, it, it kind of makes me frustrated as a amateur biathlon enthusiast who just kind of sees it on the side sideline where you know like you said athletes are paying contributing money to perform on behalf of canada yet you know apparently there's money to put a very very nice building of course but um yeah you know couldn't they if you shave off like half a million and put that into the, the athlete funds that would help a lot right so yeah for it's, for it's gonna mix that way for those of us who don't know i this building is presumably going to be for uh spectators this is not like an athlete's building or is this like a is this kind like of everything for, as far as i know you probably know okay. more mm-hmm. about it but uh yeah, they it's kinda, just the, they've kind of overhauled the whole stadium they're getting some range upgrades so that's great and then yeah like new timing building new place for the spectators volunteers athletes like all of it just getting getting totally redone since the world cup is going to be here next march because everything that was right now was basically from the 80 was it 88 or 86 88 right 88 88 olympics okay so i just didn't know if this was something that that you would end up benefiting from like from from new training facilities or if this is primarily just for the hosting a world cup yeah, no, and and again, like I said, I think it's going to be amazing for once yeah. it's finished, even. So you know, for us, this World Cup, um, that's going to be awesome to have it. It's just too bad that yeah. you know everything's uh-huh. kind of shut down for the summer. Yeah. yeah. Well, and 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 this is me just thinking out loud, but I I would imagine, and I, I don't think that, or I hope that this isn't something that people would say out loud, but just. Um, hosting you know here in north america we don't host very often right and so Mm. you only get a handful of chances to compete in kenmore in front of home fans like there's a little bit of extra like i want to do really well and then going in fortunately it's at the end of the season but it's not like you're going into the season 
with a what a normal optimal you know training regimen so it just kind of makes it a little harder mm-hmm. too it's yeah just, it's yeah. frustrating it's frustrating yeah we've had to just get a bit creative and you know yeah. Yeah. we're gonna we're gonna work with what we've got like we always do <laughs> so my my second question i had uh related to your comment was if you compare so we have the canadian situation there's not a lot of money not that many athletes even in the sport and you know you probably jealously look at the germans and the norwegians with the budgets they have and the new fancy cars they get every year and but you also see uh one of the anderson brothers basically retiring because you know he's basically pushed off by all the other talents that they have do you feel do you still feel like you would love to be on the norwegian team if you like had a double passport knowing what you know now or are you kind of you know thinking yeah it's hard to not have a lot of money but at the same time you know there's less pressure to make the team not saying that it's a a walk-in but um how 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 do you feel about the comparing those yeah i think i think it is just a tough comparison um of course of course we see the you know the glamour of it the Mm -hmm. catered meals and vehicles and you know getting a new home built or whatever it is um that some athletes top athletes can find through sponsorship and yeah i think i i can't even imagine what it would be like coming up in a system like that because it is just you know so far from my reality um but i also think sometimes if I do feel that way, I'm like, okay, well, you know, look what I've done with a lot less. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. what Canadians have done all the time, like we've had, we've had really high performing athletes, you know, generation, generation totally, through yeah. generation. And, and I, and I feel strongly that, that we're going to continue to see that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes it feels yeah, you're, it's nice to come from a small nation. People are like, Oh, there's that Canadian girl or there's that Canadian yeah, guy. Yeah. And, and they're kind of rooting for you. So uh, would I like to have a bit more money for our organization as a whole? Yes. Um, but you're right. It is, you know, I've seen athletes who definitely had the talent from other nations who, like you said, kind of pushed off the team and you don't hear from yeah. them again. And Yeah, that's that would be really tricky, I think, to navigate well, or decide what are... to do thinking of uh setting up a side organization where yep. we look in in the heritage of norwegians see if there's any foreign blood that they can you know <laughs> be on a different Come on team. over yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, i love it maybe um, they have some canadian past and we yeah can pump, who knows pump up right? our relay numbers <laughs> um i was gonna ask sorry jordan and then i'll stop cutting you off no um, i just had this uh this image of like uh you know <laughs> these uh these Norwegians suddenly be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I had this one cousin who lived in <laughs> lived in Ontario. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. you know, I think uh, you know my roots are really there." Yeah. Anyway, no, I, I was going to ask, um, and I I don't want to make it sound like the Canadian wax team is not good because I, from what I uh, know of them, they're awesome. But do you think you would perform better if your skis were prepared by the Norwegian wax team? Last season, no. I was huh. I was super super happy. Um, I think I had a really good fleet, and our wax crew knew them quite well. So you know, pretty much 
any condition that I was racing in. Sometimes I, I'd be, you know, with, with a Elvira or something like that in the pack and clearly could see that my skis were better. Um, nice. so, and I think, you know, yes, you know, these, these nations do have maybe more resources, but sometimes you see, you know, a, a certain country just has a bad day and, and that mm-hmm. can happen to anyone. And I think that, uh, yeah, with our small, our small little crew, we do a really good job. What does it feel like when, when that happens, right? When you're skiing with, with someone like Elvira on the pack and you're like, yeah, my skis are better. Hell yeah. Like, do you, yeah. do you get, do you get an adrenaline surge from that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like, okay, I better make this count today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No pressure. Like the pressure on the range. Yeah. No <laughs> cool. What do you ski? Is it feature? No. Yes. Oh, you do. But, okay. But uh, stay tuned. Okay. okay. All right. So, uh, so you were on Fisher last season. We'll put it that way. Yes. Yes, I was how on was, Fisher uh, last season. How was Annecy? Well, a bit of a blessing <laughs> and a curse in the sense that I didn't make the pursuit, which was oh. the day. But I had great skis in the mass start. So yeah, there you go. Yeah. You know, if it had to be a pursuit to miss, I think that was the one. Let's say that, that. was the one mm-hmm. to miss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you yeah. could have been sliding and falling. You could have hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, you know, you strategically you planned that. You knew what the weather was going to do. Totally. You're like, I just don't need to race tomorrow. Just doesn't work yeah. with these skis. Yeah, yeah. you should start yeah. looking around after the season. Yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> uh, at some point down the road, we're gonna have to have you back on to hear how the uh, the how the new skis potentially are, yeah potentially the new skis how how whatever skis you you're racing so on at that time how they yeah. how they are yeah exactly <laughs> really smooth um hey can i change the subject a little bit um rj was really nice he said we weren't gonna ask you at all about your relationship i'm not that nice i'm gonna ask you all about it so how long have you guys been together uh, I didn't realize eight. you guys were. I didn't. I didn't say I didn't realize you were together even before uh, Pyeongchang. It just wasn't something that was on my radar. But yeah, yeah, almost eight years. Oh my gosh, eight years. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you guys are like almost common law married at this point. Yeah, I think legally we probably yeah. are. Yeah, I know. I think you're you're getting pretty darn close. So, um, uh, he said that you were you were not going to ask about uh, who who talked to who first or whatever, but I have to ask because this literally I'm, I'm a physician. I ask all my patients this because I think it's one of the coolest things. <laughs> who asked who out first? And it wasn't even a thing. Or were you just hanging out and it just sort of became assumed? I used to have a, a professor who said that you know you're dating somebody when it becomes assumed that you're going to spend time together on the weekend. Oh God. Okay, you know this is really making me like have to think back eight years, which. Um, a lot happens in eight years. I would say we were like quite good friends and then, yeah, yeah, sort of that path. Yeah. Um, and then, so eight years ago you were right about to be on the world cup, just starting on the world cup. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Was he, yes. So was he at the same level as you were at that time? Yeah, he was kind of. He was more of a core member of the World Cup team, where I was mm-hmm. a bit more back and forth between IBU Cup and World Cup for a few years. Okay, but and we then, were because of our training center, we were in the daily training environment together. Got you it. Know, until the winter, every day, all the sessions. Well, so this is what I was going to ask: is um, which one of you is more competitive, <laughs> or maybe neither one of you? Maybe you guys are just nice, sweet Canadians, and you know, it's I, me. I, it's me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would say uh, Christian's competitive when it's appropriate, and okay. I can get carried away. 
Yeah, because I you see this sometimes with with couples when they're first getting together. You know, like you know, there's a little bit of com- competitiveness, and you know, someone's got to you know. So that's why I was asking, like, if you guys were on the same level, were you guys racing at the same time? And and uh, yeah, you know, but now you I guys... think yeah, I think kind of coming up together. Um, it was like you know he'd have a great race, I'd have a great race, and mm-hmm. just slowly mm-hmm. we you know climbed climbed the ranks. Um, but I think it is just it's super cool because you know how you feel when you have a bad race and you know how good you feel when you have a good race. So you can really empathize and support. Like, you know, my mom is always going to be like, you're the best, no matter Mm -hmm. if I'm fourth or a hundredth. And like, that is also kind of a great support to have, Mm -hmm. but someone who's in it, they get the like, you know, 20 years of commitment for him just Mm -hmm. under that for me. Like, being in it, the hard moments, the good moments, the being on the road, the like roller skiing in the rain. Um, it's, it's pretty special to get to share that and be able to support each other in that way. But thank also. you, Jordan. Cause no, there was this beautiful picture of Emma leaning on Christian after, you yep. know, the race that we talked about earlier. Yep. Now I will never be able to see that picture again without thinking that Christine is secretly whispering, I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> Which he would never say. No, so. no, no. Too, too sweet for that. Too sweet for that. Um, so I was going to say, that's actually got to be really cool. I mean, when, like you said, when you, you know, somebody who understands all of the, the trials that you went through, and if you had a really bad day, like you're able to sort of like with your partner, be able to like have an actual conversation about it, you know, and yeah. somebody who understands and they know the right or wrong thing to say. And, and, but also, when you have those, you know, conversely, when you have those awesome moments, like when you're in the flower ceremony, somebody who's like, like, it's just got to be extra special to celebrate that. Yeah. And I think even, you know, the, like, maybe let's say the harder ones, we can say like, okay, what do you need right now? Do you want to like, Mm -hmm. do you want to forget about it? Do you want to talk about it? Like, you know, cause it can be different day to day, but yeah, when I, when I, uh, quite often the races, it's been either like, you know, if I'm in the flowers, and he was already finished or he's warming up like just to see him there yeah that's a, yeah if, for two seconds that's all i need that's the only person that i'm like looking for so it's it's really nice do you miss scott in that because it i get yeah. the impression that you yeah. were all very close yeah it was it was yeah. definitely strange because he was um he was still around last summer so even though he'd retired we were seeing him pretty regularly uh so mm. yes not at training but still in our lives quite a bit but it was definitely a shock um i would say more so for christian but for both of us those first few weeks in europe this year Mm. just being like oh like someone's missing the guy who just makes jokes all the time like where is he (laughs) but um yeah he i mean he was he's awesome because he was still messaging us and asking about us about the races and like emma why'd you miss target so he was still finding a way to kind of get in there what a jerk (laughs) he keeps it light oh of course yeah um so how do you guys uh like get i think uh and maybe this just isn't a thing for you maybe you guys are just like totally chill at this point but um i know one of my friends he he talks about like he and his his girlfriend like they try to they call it intentional time so like when you guys are are on the road and you've got this heavy training schedule and then you're racing how do you guys find time just for like the two of you guys just to separate, to get away, just to be the two of you? Yeah, that is honestly the hardest part because you are on a bit of different scheduling, you know, the women's races, the men's races, the women's training, men's training. Um, And then if we're not rooming together, that's an added layer of 
you know, scheduling to go to meals together and things like that. But uh, I would say, you know, we do a lot with the team all together because we are pretty close knit and everyone gets along well, but some evenings, you know, Christian and I might just sit alone or go for a walk mm-hmm. after dinner. Um, if we're staying in Hawksfieldson and there's a nice spa, maybe we go for like a little sauna afternoon. So yeah, it is, it's definitely, you're right. It has to be intentional or else it, it really can yep. kind of slip away with all the other stuff going on. But, um, you know, even after world champs this year, I just said, you know, I want a couple of days off of like not being with the team, not being somewhere where I can ski. So we went to Salzburg for a few nights and just having that, that, like, I love, I love that place. So um, I had been by myself a few years Uh ago, kind of same thing. I just went for like 24 hours, took the train solo. um, And I said, you know, Christian, you've got to come back with me because this is a special place. So we did a couple days of like touristing around Salzburg, which was awesome. So what I'm hearing is you're a big fan of the sound of music. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Not really, but maybe I need to watch it. Maybe you do. Um, I've actually heard. So we, we, um, you know, the summer before the pandemic, we were planning a trip out. So we were going to go out to one of the places we were going to go to was Salzburg. And, you know, there are a lot of, um, uh, at least what I was reading about, you know, places where you can go just like listen to, you know, classical music and stuff like that. I don't know if that's something you ever took advantage Mm -hmm. of, but uh, did you have a top spot to go? Um, okay, we did the castle, which was awesome. Yeah. And I would say that one of the things I really like about Salzburg is if you stay downtown ish, you can walk everywhere. Cool. So if yeah. although we weren't training, my legs were so sore because I was not used to walking <laughs> for like 15k a day. But um yeah, we did a bunch of museums, kind of uh like some of the bigger cathedrals and things like that, where you could just yeah. walk around and like look. You didn't have to speak or say anything it was just taking in like the size of it and the beauty and yeah and just yeah getting to appreciate things like that together and um where old things are actually older than 100 years yeah it's it's crazy like old for canada is not old no (laughs) so yeah i we didn't uh we did a lot of just kind of like wandering around oh this looks like a cool thing we'll go in that's not really a set agenda Mm -hmm. yeah yeah oh man that's amazing. I'm glad you guys were able to get that time. And it's, it's, it was a, I guess, a, I mean, it worked out well in your schedule to sneak it in after worlds. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Cause we were staying in Ramsau. So then we could just take the train right back. Um, oh, so that's why I like Ramsau because it's close to Salzburg. Yeah. Well, that is perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then a couple more, just like totally silly questions. Who's the better cook? Me. Yeah. So when it's Christian's time to cook, you're like, Oh man. No, Christian is Christian is a good cook. He's very predictable. He has kind of a rotation that he goes through. And I would say I am more adventurous. So, okay, mm. sometimes maybe I'm the worst cook if it's a fail. But <laughs> my good meals are pretty good. What's your number one? Ooh, I think homemade pizza. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's your What's your topping? Oh my God. So many questions. Mushrooms, pepperoni, cheese. That's pretty much it. So, um, RJ, you joked that when he was in Canmore, I wasn't able to make it up, uh, make it up there for the IBU cup races that, uh, he channeled his inner me, uh, to go, to go talk to people because this is, this is unfortunately me. This is what I'm stuck with is that I just, <laughs> I'm just bubbling with questions that I want to ask people and, and, uh, 
Um, yeah. Fortunately, I have a job where all I do is I talk to people for, you know, nine hours a day and then I go home, rest my <laughs> voice and do it all over again. Yeah. Um, and then last question. Uh, so recently in biathlon, we've seen a bit of a baby boom. I had the, the Roycelands and the Komatses and um, I think Batov, uh, Paulina uh, Botovska, Fialkova, and uh, who else was there? Oh, uh, Milena Todorova uh, uh, is pregnant. So, so all of these announcements within the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, <laughs> do you, Christian, feel like you're falling behind the, the 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 baby boom? I'm being totally silly. I'm being totally silly. I think that we want to have a family one day, but I think it will be when our biathlon careers are over. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I, don't, uh, yeah. I don't think my mom's going to come nanny for us in Europe for four months. I mean. Well, yeah. And not only that, but like, you know, you get, I, look, the way I think about it, you get one chance to do this, right? You, you, yeah. You know, especially as a woman, right? You would miss however much time, you yeah. know, with, with, you know, pregnancy and the, you know, recovery and all that. So yeah, um, that'd yeah. be a big, a big, a big commitment. And then, and then of course, you, then you have a baby that you have to take care of, you know, <laughs> yeah, then the hard part I know begins. what. I know. And I, I mean, we're kind of taking it year by year, um, which feels great right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do think when that time comes, I'd want to be able to just stay home and hang out with the baby, yeah. not go out for a roller ski ever again. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you just have the Thule, Thule behind you yeah, on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I could do that on snow. I could do that on snow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so when you have, have a kids, couple, oh, are you, you going to throw them on skis and, and get them into biathlon? Oh God, I guess, I guess we'll have to No, I think it'll be like, <clears throat> see if they like skiing yeah. and if not, let them lead us where they do. Yeah. They're yeah. going to become world champion. Like, I don't know, swimmers. I was trying to think of something yeah. different. But... Yeah. Tennis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. We should, do, we should get them to do something that makes money so they can support us. <laughs> get them into, uh, Hockey yeah. Players like, in. Was that? Uh, too many, too many Canadians. I think that yeah, goes too yeah. deep. Yeah, I wasn't taking them into soccer. Mm. No. That's, anyway, yeah. sorry, RJ. No, I was. I just had a couple of short questions that I was curious about. So, um, there's a lot of professional f- photographers at the IBU World Cup that take pictures of you. I'm just curious. Do you sign a waiver that they can do with that whatever they want, or do they have to ask your permission to sell those, or do they give them to you, or like? Great question. Um, I've had a contract for the last few years with Nordic Focus, which that's more about like what I can do with the photos. Okay. Um, I think I I actually don't know. Um, but yeah, for me to post them, you have to be like in right. contract or paying or whatever. I think probably by being racing as a World Cup athlete, if the IBU photographers take photos of you and post it. I don't know if there's much you can do about it. Maybe you should but... charge some money for that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because it's it's you after all. So yeah. it should be yours. <laughs> um, how excited are you that there's two new members on the, the coaching team in um, Andrew and Helen? Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I think we have a really great group this year. Those two joining Justin and a bit of a different approach where they're all taking on more of a role. So mm-hmm. Andrew and Helena are doing some of the skiing side of things. Justin's there for the shooting as well. Um, and I think part of that was, you know, our IBU cup team wasn't having the consistency of coaching. 
And, and, you know, we, we had coaches on the world cup that would stick with us all year, but if you weren't on the world cup, it was kind of a mixed bag of what you would get, you know, people doing their very best. But uh, yeah, I think Andrew's been with us for a long time. He's had um, kind of a role as like an assistant coach. So I know him quite well. And then honestly, for me, getting to work with Helena has been amazing. I haven't had um, like a female coach at this level, really. And yeah, she's just a super positive person to have around and and really getting to know each athlete and like help tailor to have an individual program. So it's I'm excited. Her approach is from a very different direction with her, you know, sports psychology. And uh, yeah. And I think it brings a lot. I think it's. you know, it brings a lot to the table and it's only been two months, but I would say it's been a very positive first two months with them. Did you, was she involved at all or connected hey, with you when she was in uh, the BATC or? Just going to interrupt you real quick. I got to run. I'll be back in like five to 10 minutes. Um, She came to world championships with us last year. So she right. was there for two weeks, uh, which was, you know, just to be on the ground working with the team. And also the year prior to that, she'd been with us for the third trimester of the race season. So no, she was working with BATC, but, you know, I'd see her on the range and say hi. But it wasn't really right. until she came to the races that we got to work together as like a coach-athlete relationship. Right. Yeah. And it, how about uh, Matthias? Because you've probably known him for a long time. Yeah, was there was any my... connection between the BATC and the, the national team just in general? Or, I mean, you're in the same building and stuff, but... Yeah, I would. I think that's something we're doing a better job of this year is trying to do a little bit more collaboration, so mm-hmm. um, the younger athletes can just ski behind us and see the training and things like that on a few of our camps. Um, you know, Matias was my first coach on the national team, so again, mm. if he, I would say, you know, if your athletes have questions, like give them my email, whatever. So we had some dialogue, but I do think even for our team, we said we want to push for that. We want to like lead and and know the younger athletes and you know be able to put names to faces and all that sort of thing so we had a camp uh early june this year just a canmore camp but Mm -hmm. we had most of the batc members who are on the development team join us for 10 days which was awesome yeah 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 Yeah, and And i I think what i was gonna say in a country like ours i think you have to do that um it's it's necessary when there isn't a massive pool in each age category Mm -hmm. it's like you know, let's try and all help each other. And, and if we can, you know, jump a pe- people a few steps ahead um, just by getting to train with us, then, you know, it's not well, an it's, issue for I me. I think it's, it's, it's nice that it's uh, – well, when I read that uh, Helen was joining the team, I was excited because, you know, she can be the sort of the bridge between the, the two groups. Yeah. Um, yeah, having I, – I wonder for you, it's also maybe you're more of a veteran on the team. Um, but for the younger girls on the team, it also provides a bit of motivation or push that there's other kids waiting to join the team if they get a chance, right? Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah. No, so I, it's, think, it's, I think it's awesome to uh, yeah. to see that develop. My, you know, honestly, it maybe when I think of it, it's like my ideal scenario would be like the girls on the team get so good that I'm pushed off. Then it's like, hmm. hey, you know, there's a good generation coming up and and it's going to be well taken care of afterwards so i'm all for us working together and and Mm -hmm. doing what we can sharing resources i know our coaches like 
Helena and Andrew and Justin have been talking with the other coaches of training centers and, and trying to get them up to speed, sharing the information. Like, I don't think there should be secrets in Canada. All the teams and all right. the clubs should just be working together to be the strongest nation we can be. Well, it's, in the end, it's the benefit to everybody, right? But Oh, exactly. It's, uh, one thing I wanted to ask is um, I, I do biathlon analytics for obviously data analysis and, and visualization for biathlon data. Um, most athletes that I asked about, they check their results on biathlon results. Do you do that or any more than that? And do you see value in additional work in biathlon analytics or? Yeah, personally, I'm, you know, I kind of take a look at the, the race analysis, ski time, shooting times, lap times, and mm-hmm. um, just kind of carry on from there. But uh I do. I think Scott and Christian are more interested in that sort of thing and have a pretty good mind for it. So they were coming up with like comparisons between the IBU Cup and the World Cup that Biathlon Canada ended up using um, as a benchmark of, you know, how to switch athletes, what are Mm -hmm. rates of comparison and things like that. So I do think it's quite useful. I would say I myself, not that I'm like averse to it, I just... I look at it and kind of carry on. Um, right. But I think it's interesting. And if someone can sit down and explain to me what I'm looking at, then I'm even more interested. Yeah. And that's, you know, more of a personal vision where I see athletes now, they, you know, look at all the stats on biathlon results, but I always think it would be nice to just see that in one overview and, you know, yeah. comparing it yeah. to, to other races, et cetera. Yeah. Um, anything you can think of that you don't have right now that would be helpful? Off the top of my head, no. no. If I think of anything, I'll email you. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> um, and I have two more questions and I'll let you go because I know okay. you must be getting pretty hungry. Um, <laughs> so the IBU Cup was here. It was an awesome event. And there was one thing that bugged me a little bit that the CBC interviewed the Mexican team, which I did as well. Like it's an interesting story, but I didn't yeah. see anything on the CBC about the Canadian team. Do you think no. that will be any different when the world cup is going to be in camera next year? I think so. And I think likely if it's not coming from them, it will be us approaching them saying, Hey, please get our athletes on the air. And I think that people want, you know, it's hard to just see a a race notice. Oh, there's a world cup. But if you hear, you know, someone who's passionate about it saying, you know, come watch us race. This is like a huge deal to have this in Canada. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that we get some good coverage. I think I think we're definitely aware of that and how it can bring people in. And I'm like, yeah, I'll go on the radio. Krishna will go on the radio. Like, who, yeah, whose yeah. voice do you want up there? So I hope we can do a good job with that. Yeah, and I, you know, selfishly, and if Jordan was here. He's more of more of a sales guy than I am, but I I definitely want to, you know, if we can promote that, um, even with 200 listeners or so, yeah, I think that'd yeah. be great to. Uh, to do that when that comes around. Um, so if I asked you to pick th- three of your sort of best friends on the World Cup tour, but they're not Canadian, okay. who would that be? Can they, do they have to be current? Um, yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Um, I would say Elisa Gasparin from the Swiss team. Mm-hmm. Um. Probably also Elena Hecky from the Swiss team. Spend a lot of time with those girls. And then 
oh, this is fun. I'm trying to think of who I had coffee with. Kelsey Dickinson from the U.S. team. Okay. Yeah. And I'm assuming Claire's the one of the retired. Yeah, athletes. her and Anais Bescom. Um, oh yeah. Because she would. Come it seems to, to be a good connection between Canada, Switzerland, yeah. and and France. Yeah. Yeah. Is that for just sure. from more from Olympic Village or something that you were close to each other? Yeah, in a couple, well, more than a couple of years ago, but a few of the Swiss boys came out here. So Benji and Seraphin and and the guys on our team got to know them quite well, and so then I did by okay. association. Um, and Anna, same thing. She came out here and trained with us a few summers. Like her and Matthias were quite good friends. So hmm. um, Rosanna too. She was in the mix yep. of of all of us becoming friends. So. I mean, it is so nice to have that when we're in Europe to have friendly right. faces and people you can go for coffee with. And sometimes oh, you sure, need a break yeah. from your own teammates, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, Emma, it was, it was fantastic. This was amazing. I really appreciate everything. Thank yeah. you so much for, uh, for being our guest. And again, it's long overdue, but it's really awesome to have you on. Yeah, it and, was fun. Um, I, I'm glad that this was able to work out. So. Yeah. And maybe at the start of the season, we'll try to check in for a short Don't get matcha lattes at Starbucks. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's a good one.